Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and uh, we are in for a real treat today. I've been studying this guy for a long time. We have so many mutual friends in common. I believe he's truly one of America's thought leaders when it comes to personal development, when it comes to mindset. He's a best-selling author. He's written books like Do Over, Finish. His new book, Soundtracks, is now out. You might be familiar He's spoken to companies all over the globe, gives keynotes at a high level many times per year. Fortune 500 companies, he's working with sports teams. He is the host of the All It Takes Is A Goal podcast. Check him out on YouTube. Has some of the best creative content on YouTube. This guy is hard not to find or bump into because he's all over the place. He's collaborated with and connected with some of the top thought leaders on the planet. He believes the future belongs to the finishers. We got connected by way of our good friend, Brad Lominick. Shout out to Brad. Listen, I could go on and on and on about today's guest and all he's accomplished. Um, I'm not going to do that because we got to get into the conversation, uh, but I do want to warn you, this is heavy note taking time. Um, what I appreciate about today's guest, John Acuff, is that he offers practical tools, so much practical wisdom. Uh, you're not just going to be inspired or motivated today. You're going to have practical tools um, you're going to have things that you can implement. Today's conversation will be rich with application. Welcome to the podcast, John Acuff. Thanks for having me today, Jordan. I think this is going to be a fun one. Good to be with you, man. It will be a fun one. And, uh, you know, it's just fun. All the uh, the friends that we share in common. And of course, we've studied your work. Um, you've been a blessing to me. You don't even know this, but you've been coaching me from afar. So thanks for your coaching. Thanks for oh, your leadership. Thanks, dude. I love, I love um, the far off mentor. I, I've got a bunch of those too. That's right, man. Well, you're one of them. So Listen, uh, your new book has been so helpful to me, helpful to many. It's called Soundtracks. We're going to dive into this book today. We're going to spend most of our time here. The reality is you and I could go in nine different directions today, but I want to stay here. I got my advanced copy, John Acuff, Soundtracks. This thing is amazing. Subtitle, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. We're going to talk about overthinking today. Here's what I want to know, though, before we dive into the book, John, why did you write this book specifically? Well, Jordan, I believe there's there's a Venn diagram of a best-selling idea, best-selling business, helpful idea. There's three things I look for. I look for, number one, a personal connection. Am I personally connected to the topic? Mm. I'm going to talk about this for five years. I'm going to talk about this for 10 years. Is there a personal connection? The second thing I look for is do people need it? Is there a need that I'm seeing? Are people talking about it online? Am I sensing it in culture? Are, are my neighbors mentioning it at the neighborhood pool? And the third thing is, is there a spot for me in the marketplace? Is, the, is mm. there a spot I can find? So what I like to do is I go, okay, if I can find those three things, then it's worth multiple year investment into this. And I believe it'll be successful. So for instance, I wrote this mm -hmm. book called Finish and I was a chronic starter and wanted to turn into a consistent finisher. So I had a personal connection. I want to be better at finishing. Then I went and looked at the need and people started coming up to me going, John, you wrote a book called Start. I liked it. No offense though. I've never had a problem starting. I could start a thousand things tomorrow. I've got 50 URLs registered at GoDaddy. I've never done anything with. How do I finish? And then I went into my marketplace, which is Amazon. You type in finish. The only thing that comes up is dishwasher detergent. We as Americans over-celebrate the beginning and ignore the finish. So I thought, oh, there's my Venn diagram. Let's go. And it worked. So with this book, I'm an overthinker. I've been an overthinker for years. Years ago, I started to work on my mindset and it changed my life in some radical ways. And so I had a personal connection. So then I have a PhD named Mike Peasley that I work with. He's a professor here in Nashville. 
he and I asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking. And we asked that many because most of the time, if you see like a, an article that says 50% of Republicans, 50% of Democrats, if you actually read it at the bottom, they're like, we asked 11 people and four of them were named Larry. And you're like, that's not a big sample size. So we asked 10,000 people, do you struggle with overthinking? 99.5% of people said yes. So now I've got my second piece. So then I go into the marketplace and I realize so many t- resources about mindset and overthinking go, stop it, stop it, turn it off, stop thinking. Mm. Number one, that's impossible. Like call it quiet time, meditation, whatever word you want to use, yoga. That's 10 minutes of your day, 30 minutes of your day. What about the other 23 and a half hours? And number two, why would you want to turn off this amazing tool you have? The Mm. ability to think, what if with neuroplasticity, you could change the way you think, which changes your life. So once I had that Venn diagram in place, I knew, okay, I think this is a book that'll serve a lot of people and I should invest in it. Well, people have been raving about this new book, man. John Gordon called you one of the top communicators on the planet. Uh, Seth Godin is in here. Daniel Pink. I mean, people are right signing off on your book, promoting your book. You've touched a lot of people, a lot of high-level thought leaders. We're going to get into some tools. Um, one of the first chapters of the book, one of the first things that you talk about, these three really powerful questions. You say one of the greatest mistakes that we can make is assuming our thoughts are true. Let's go deeper. Yeah, this is good stuff. Here we go. So, yeah, the problem is um, your thoughts are delivered in the voice you're most familiar with, which is your own. So you trust it. It's the voice you've heard more than any other voice in your life. So you just trust it, even though your thoughts have lied to you countless times. Everybody listening to this right now has had a situation where their thoughts said that person's mad at you. That person's so mad at you. They're so mad at you. And then you interact with them. You realize they weren't mad at you at all. They weren't even thinking about the thing you said a month ago that you thought they were mad about. And we never go back to our thought and go. Hey, you got me this time. You lied to me, but next time I'm not going to trust you so easily. No, we just trust them. So I teach people to ask three questions and I call them Trojan horse questions. And they're Trojan horse questions because the words are simple. The words aren't exotic. Everyone's used these words, but they're Trojan horse in the sense that if you'll actually apply them, you'll learn something really powerful about yourself and the way you think. First question is, is it true? Is the story I'm telling myself about myself true? Is the story I'm telling to myself about my company, about this opportunity, is the story our team is telling true? Um, I, I taught this idea to the CEO of Hyatt Hotels, and he said, we've modified it to, is it still true? And I love that because mm-hmm. what was true a month ago might not be true today. And so the first question, is it true? Second question, is it helpful? When I tell myself this again and again, does it push us forward or does it pull me back? Um, does it move me in the direction I want or does it hold me back? And the reason you have to ask more than one question is that some things in life are true, but not helpful. Um, so an mm. example of that from, mm. from my own house, um, because we live these principles. I, I like to live a book first before I write it. I write the book and then I test it with thousands of people. By the time it hits the shelf, I'm not guessing if it works. By the time it hits the shelf, like Soundtrack says 35 stories from real people that worked on the ideas and poked holes in it. So by the time you get the book, there's no like, I hope it worked because it worked for me in this little office. But in my own house, an example of it is we did a teen version of this book because so many parents said, hey, Mm. if I could have learned how to change how I think as a teenager, it would have changed the whole arc of my life. If I could have learned at 14, 15 and nobody teaches mindset in the same way that 20 years ago, nobody taught financial education to kids and it screwed them. Now we're like, huh, maybe we should teach a freshman how to manage money versus repair them at 38. It's the same with mindset. We just haven't caught up to it yet. 
So yes. an example of, is it helpful? My daughter, and she put this story in the book, got a 42 on a biology test, just bombed the test. This is so good. And a yeah. month later, she was telling herself, it was the night before the next test. Remember you failed. Remember you failed the last one. You could fail this one. You could fail this one. And we had to pause her and go, hey, it's true you failed that last one. But is it helpful tonight to listen to that broken soundtrack a hundred times? It's not. And then we were able to reframe it and go, if a friend texted you a hundred times tonight and said, remember you failed, remember you failed, remember you failed, would that be a good friend or a monster? That'd be a monster. So don't be a monster to yourself. So the second question is, is it helpful? Third question, is it kind? Is it kind to myself when I say this? And if you can't answer yes to those three questions, it's not a thought you should be having. And it's what I would identify as a broken soundtrack that you need to get rid of. All right. So let's talk about the three R's. This, this yeah. section of the book was maybe most helpful to me. Oh, awesome. this is, this is really good stuff, man. Um, and we've been talking about this with other people, retire broken soundtracks, replace them with new ones, repeat until there is automatic as the old ones. Can we move in this direction? This is this is really sure. good stuff. I'd love for you to break this down for our listeners. Sure, yeah. Again, my goal as a, as a communicator, as a content creator, writer, whatever phrase, is I like to simplify complicated things. I like to take a big fuzzy topic like mindset, which often goes so holistic. You don't know what to do with it. Like we were saying, we were talking before we started that like when somebody goes, you should have an abundance mindset. I go, yeah, agreed. How? How? Like you can't just say like, when somebody goes, you should do this, you go, oh, I had no idea. Like, just don't worry. Oh, I didn't know. Like, I hadn't thought of not worrying. You've really cleared it up for me. Super helpful. So I'm always going, how do I take something complicated, fuzzy, and simplify it into practical things I can do on a Tuesday? Like when I speak to companies, mm. when I'm at Comedy Central, Microsoft, Range Rover, whatever, I'm not just trying to inspire them. I'm trying to give them ideas they can carry with them. I'm what I call a handle maker. I put handles on ideas. We have enough ideas in the world. The world is chock full. Like there's enough ideas. We don't have handles on them to carry with us to our, to our real world and our real life. So those are the handles. So the process is very simple. You retire your broken soundtracks. You identify the ones that are getting in the way. What's holding me back? What's holding my family back? Mm. What's holding our company back? What's holding our team back? And then you do the second step. You replace them with new soundtracks. Your brain wants to think. Your brain mm. is waiting to be told, what are we thinking about? What are mm. we doing? What are, we, you know, what are the good ones we're leaning into? People have a real hard time with that because they were never taught that they get to choose their thoughts. And they don't understand that thoughts come by one of two ways. You choose them or chance them. You choose them or chance them. Ooh. And even my most type A high-performing friends, like you and I have the same friends that the night before they lay out their clothes, so they'll go to the gym, like they put the shoes by their bed and their socks and their little Lululemon shorts, whatever, because it means they'll go to the bed, go to the gym. Very few leaders pick out their soundtracks or their thoughts before a big situation. Very few leaders go next Thursday, I've got a negotiation. And the last one went a little south a week ago. I don't want to bring those thoughts into this one. So when I step into that door, here's the three things I'm going to have on repeat as I walk into that room. So you have to replace. And the third mm. thing is you have to repeat. Um you have to repeat them so they actually take. I learned this like 48 hours after the book came out, people would DM me and go, hey, I, re I retired my broken soundtracks, I replaced them and they're not working. And I would say, well, the book's only been out for 48 hours, so I know you haven't had time to really <laughs> lean into it. We want fast results. I want fast results. You'd be a psychopath to want slow results. But the reality is good things take good time. 
And so the repeat stage is important because then it really locks it in. Some people have listened to a broken soundtrack for 10 years. I work with leaders who are 38 and are being given new opportunities of leadership at companies and they're pulling back or worse, they're self-sabotaging because if you pull the thread at 15, a teacher told them they weren't a natural leader and they've Mm. listened to that broken soundtrack on repeat for 23 years. So Mm. I can't just give them a post-it note that says you're you're a capable leader and they go, oh, man, you fixed it. That was like, they need to repeat that. They need to invest in that. They need to own that so that it actually sticks. Yeah, man. Repetition is the mother of learning and and you're helping people with repetition and the most important area of our development. Um, Sometimes you need to borrow from the best. I love what you say in soundtracks about borrowing from the best. Um, Sometimes it's time to put on a, a different type of track, a new track. Can you Talk to us about this. Yeah, so for me, it's a, it's really about learning. Um, I'm I'm really obsessed with what can I learn in this given situation. Um, how can I borrow from the best from other people? Like another way I'll say it is borrow someone else's diploma. Where does it say you have to have the experience to learn from the experience? I learned a million dollar lesson on how to title a book. Like it was a million dollar twelve year lesson. If somebody asks me how to title a book, I can teach them in twelve minutes. Like. Like they don't have to pay the 12 year cost. They don't have to pay the million dollar like cost that it cost me. Like, so I'm always going, how can I learn? And so, and that really changed my attitude. There were two things that changed my attitude with my speaking career. One was I'm there to serve, not perform. Like I'm mm. not there to convince them John Acuff is cool. I'm there to serve them. I'm there to equip them. I'm there to encourage. Like I'm not the star. They're the star. Mm. Like I'm not the star. Like my goal, one of my goals of public speaking is I want the event planner or the person that booked me to be getting texts from their CEO during my keynote going, you're so good at your job. Thank you for putting this event together. This yes. is the right person to put on stage. Yes. Um, the second thing that changed was when I realized I'm in 50 of the best classrooms in the world every year. And if I pay attention and I'm humble, I get to learn. So when I go talk mm. to FedEx corporate, I get to learn what they're doing. And then when I go talk to Walmart, I get to learn what they're doing. When I go talk to a small healthcare company, I get to learn what they're doing. And so I'm constantly getting an education. So sometimes what I like to think about is how do I borrow from the best? Because sometimes if you say to somebody, come up with a new soundtrack, they get overwhelmed by a white piece of paper. The blank piece of paper is terrifying. And I agree. So instead I'd say, okay, what's something you've heard that encourages you? And it can be anything, like it all counts. So you could say, this Mm -hmm. song lyric really encourages me or something my mom used to say, I think about that all the time or something I heard on a podcast, Mm -hmm. something, you know, Jordan said on a podcast encouraged me. And so then I actively try to collect those so that I can, so that I can learn from those. So I can go, oh, that's helpful. That, you know, that's like, here's, here's an example, Brad Montague, um, who did, uh, he he was the one who created the kid president concept. We it's probably have, have him yeah. in common. I asked him, how do you go from kid president, wildly successful, he went to the White House. They did something with Beyonce, like as far as a creative endeavor, wildly successful, but that creates a pressure for the next one. And I know that because mm-hmm. in Nashville, where I live, songwriters say, the best and worst day of your life is when you hit a number one with your song. It's the best because you hit number one. It's the worst because now you have to repeat it. And that's a really true thing that people wrestle with. So I said, how do you do the next concept after? And he said, well, a soundtrack for me is, am I creating for love or from love? He said, there's Mm. a big difference. For love, I'm creating something for adoration. I want you to tell me I'm enough. I want you to like, and that's not good. That's not healthy. It's not what I can be. He said, from love is I've got an idea. I'm so passionate about sharing. It has to get into the world. I have to lean into it. 
So I wrote that down. I didn't say, I hope I remember what Brad said. I wrote that down. I have it on a huge sheet in my office. Like I see that regularly. Come so on. that's what I mean by borrow from the best. Yeah. In the book, you say turn down for what? Um, I think one of your most interesting chapters is when you talk about turning down the dial. We can all identify with this yeah. fact that we have more negative thoughts than positive thoughts. Sure. We all kind of know that. There's a soundtrack that isn't inherently positive. You talk about um, managing the the negative soundtrack, turning down the dial. Let's dive into the science of turning down the dial. Yeah, so that was a, a lesson I learned from David Thomas. David Thomas is this brilliant author, speaker, counselor. He runs this um, counseling organization here for kids called Daystar in Nashville. And we had coffee one day, and I was talking about this concept because I was in the research phase. And he, you know, he's seen where soundtracks often start in teenagers and children. Yeah. So I was asking him about it. And he said, John, the big issue is that we want there to be a switch. We, we desire life to be a switch. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we want to find one thing we do that switches off pain, negativity, stress, whatever. You know, one time we do it mm. forever. And he said, and we look for a switch. So we go, I'm going to read this book and it'll change everything. Or I'm going to do yoga and it'll change everything. Or I'm going to do a diet. I'm going to do, you know. And we try it and maybe it worked. And it could be like, I'm going to get a Ferrari. I'm going to scale a business. It could be anything. We try it and maybe it works for a week, maybe even a month. But eventually life gets stressful again because that's what life does. Life mm. gets stressful. And he said, so it's not about a switch mentality. It's about a dial mentality. And the dial mentality says, when life gets turned up loud, when the stress, when the frustration, when the negativity, whatever, it's my job to dial it back down. And that's active. That's an active thing. So what he encourages is, you know, how do you turn it down? And where I kind of riffed on that was, what are turn down techniques? What are some techniques that you would say, okay, when I'm at an 11 and I recognize it, here's the things that turn it down. And they're personal. So for me, it, it could be running. Like I, you know, my wife will sometimes say, hey, I think you need to go running. And that's her way of saying like, you're kind of being a huge jerk. <laughs> like I, you need to go get some endorphins. Yeah. Um, it can be a conversation with a friend that's encouraging. It can be reading something. It can be listening to music. Like my dorkiest one is I love putting together massive Lego sets. Like that's a turn down technique for me because like most of my life doesn't have clear instructions. How do you be mm. a speaker? How do you be an author? Like, how do you be a dad? How do you be a husband? But when I get a huge Lego Ferrari set and it's got 4,000 pieces and there's a thick manual, I can follow it step by step by step. Mm. So you get creative with, okay, what are my turn down techniques? And then the next time you find yourself in a stressful moment, you go, wait a second. What, you know, and usually what you find is you've not been doing those things. Usually you find, mm. and it's important to write them down because you'll forget them. That's the other thing. Like the loudness yes. of the world, the loudness of negativity makes you forget. So a lot of times if you have a list, it's so much easier to go, oh, that's right. I love gardening and I haven't gardened in so long. Or I love walks with my friend, Matt, and I haven't walked with Matt in so long. And so that's what a turn down technique is. So good. All right. So we talked about turning down the dial. You also yeah. talk about um, zigging your way. We're going to zig our way to positive yeah. Thinking, um, again, thought this is maybe one of the most interesting portions of the book, maybe one of the most practical portions of the book. Um, would love for you to unpack this. And again, heavy note-taking time. This is so good. Talk to us about zigging yeah. your way to positive thinking. Well, I mean, first off, I'd say I'm not a positive person by nature. Like, I'm really not. I grew up in New England with like a goodwill hunting-sized chip on my shoulder. <laughs> like, I'm sarcastic. Like, I'm a very negative person by nature. But I've tried both approaches. I've tried positivity and I've tried negativity. And the mm. ROI on positivity is much better 
than the ROI of negativity. So I just work really hard at it. And I was never an affirmations guy. I was never a mantra guy. But as I started to study the power of mindset, I realized, oh, no, I'm going to have to explore this. Like, I didn't want to. But I kept talking to people I admire, people that inspired me. We talked about long, you know, long distance mentors. And if you'd get Mm -hmm. them off camera, if you'd get them off mic and go, hey, what do you think about affirmations? What do you think about like positive words? They'd all be like, well, I have a pep talk I give myself or hey, there's a handful of words I say like "Eh," and they'd share that. And I was like, oh, no, like and there was one that really uh, stuck out to me. Seth Godin specifically talked about wearing out um, Zig Ziglar's motivational tapes. Zig Ziglar, one of the godfathers of motivational thought in this country. And he mentioned that. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to have to test this. So I tested in my own life, like Zig's affirmations in a mirror, 30 days in a row. It's ridiculous. Like my wife was like, don't do it in our bathroom. I can't watch you do that. It's so silly. And so I do it in a guest bathroom but I really started to notice a difference. Like it wasn't on day two. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm amazing. It was just over time. I started to notice a difference. And so then I took more than a thousand people through a test of my own affirmations. I'm a writer. So I said, okay, here's the ones that knowing the people I'm trying to serve, these are the issues they're coming up with. We did this big test to figure out what are the statements. And so we tested it and it decreased um, overthinking. It decreased negativity. They, the crazy stat was the people who did it worked on their goal nine days more than people who didn't like it actually turned into and you go dude if you do nine days more on any goal i don't care what the goal is the results are better and so that was where for me was my big kind of first foray into okay this stuff works and even if it's cheesy i don't care like it works and so i've been the guy on the outside going that's dumb that's cheesy i grew up with seinfeld saying um you know serenity now or like Saturday Night Live saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, doggone it, people like me. So I still have that in me. I just like winning. Like over the years, yeah, I've just, on. I've enjoyed winning more than failing. So when mm. something helps me win, I go, I don't care if it's cheesy. It's help. I'm not, I'd rather be cheesy and winning than be cool and losing. Like that, that's yes. the tweet. Like that's, that should that's be the it. title of the whole yes. thing. So yes. that's, that's my approach to life. Yeah. Love it, man. Well, for what it's worth, um, you're winning. So, you know, however you do it, John Acuff is winning, man. You're producing so much content. You're putting so many good things out. Oh, thanks, the world. dude. Um, I know we're, we're talking a lot today about the book, but here's what people should also know about John Acuff. You're not just a great writer who's a New York Times bestselling author. You're a really gifted speaker. Oh, thanks, In dude. In fact, you know, again, uh, I go back to John's comment, John Gordon's comment, you know, one of the top communicators on the planet. We were just talking offline about pulling you into some of the events that that we're hosting and, and producing. Um, I can't let you off this podcast without talking at least this much about communication. So, totally, dude. I love that. Um, I love to geek can, out can, about that. Can Let's we go. go there? Are you good with that? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Of course, here's dude. What, my here's favorite. What love, here's what I'd love, because I, I think as a, as a fellow speaker, I'm always identifying, and, and I've kind of got my shortlist right, of like, here's what makes somebody a really gifted communicator. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear through your lens. Number one, what do you think about? You've already alluded to some of this. What do you think about when you're addressing an audience and, and impacting people? And then number two, what should other people be thinking about when they think about, you know, bringing an impactful presentation and, and just being really impactful as it relates to public communication? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is you have to start with the audience. You start with the audience. What do they need? What are they going through? Like, and then what am I good at that overlaps with that? Like, those are the two, like, what do they need? What are they yep. going through? What am I good at that serves that? Um, I think, and so for me, 
That's why a month before I do an event, I have a call with the client and I ask a set list of questions that I've honed over the last 10 years to figure out how to really serve that. An audience can tell us when you have one speech and you didn't change it for the people that are sitting there, whether they're mom yes. bloggers or software developers, and they hate that and they'll turn off immediately. So I think that's the first thing is what do they need? I think the second thing is to be who you are, not who you think they need. So that's that's so where you good. go. Like when a book says you should open with a joke, no, you shouldn't. You should be like when somebody goes, do I have to be funny during a speech? I always say, be as funny as you'd be at a dinner party. So if you're slapsticky at a dinner party, be that. If you're dry, be that. Don't put on a role because audiences are smart enough to see the role immediately and go, okay, that's not real. That's not honest. Um, that's not who they really are. They can spot fake so far away. Um, and then the other thing is that your job is to close the gap between you and the audience. So when you step mm -hmm. on stage, there's an automatic gap. You like you're the one on stage. They're not on stage. There's a physical gap often between the seats and them. And so I'm constantly trying to go, okay, how do I get into their trenches and have a good conversation versus I'm up here talking to you? You know, like so I'm always trying to go, how do I close the gap? Yeah. And the way I do that, I use a lot of humor. Um, I like to I like to share things that I failed at because nobody does that. Like speakers who only share their wins or mistakes they made 30 years ago that they no longer care about are mm. fake. Um, I think old school speaking is if I share, if I share weaknesses, people won't trust my strengths. New school is if I pretend I don't have weaknesses, people won't trust my strengths. And so for me, like I'm sharing stuff that didn't go well. Um, and I'm leaning into who I am. And then I'm constantly measuring the rhythm of the room to know where, where it needs a joke, where it needs less jokes, where it needs. So like, there's a, there's a rhythm. I, I think about speaking like an accordion, like I'm shrinking and I'm expanding it based on where pe where people are, what just happened before that. There's a thousand things I'm thinking about when I'm speaking. Um, but again, it starts with who's in the room. What you know, here's a question you can ask any speaking client. What's getting them up in the morning? What's keeping them up at night? Like the easiest, shortest question, because they'll go, Oh man, we just had supply chain is killing us. And here's a specific. And then when you mention a specific thing that's related to them, they'll go, Oh, he did his homework. Like he cared, like there was. That's what people yes. want to know. Like, yes. it's not the thought that counts. It's the time that counts. When people can tell that you gave your most limited resource to serving them, it changes everything. So good. So two things I want to underscore that you just addressed and talked about. Because if somebody sure. asked me, hey, what do you think great keynote speakers do? I would say number one is they keep it real. Um, yeah. You keep it real. You're most effective when you're most authentic. Um, when I hear you communicate, whether it's on YouTube or social media, and hopefully one day I'll be able to do that in a live fashion. It'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be um, fun. Can't wait for that. Uh, you keep it real. I, I sense that you are being yourself. You know yourself. And I think now more than ever, people want leaders who are real. They want to be totally. around people who are real in, in a world that is often superficial and fake. And then number two, John Maxwell said this to me the other day. He said, great leaders, great speakers make people feel something. Mm -hmm. And you're helping people feel something. When, when you're communicating with an audience, when you're connecting, John, you help people feel something. You're moving people emotionally. And so just, I want to encourage you in that, man. And, and again, look forward to the oh, yeah. day where I got to be in a yeah, room it'll with happen. you. Listening, it'll I mean, we have like speak, 50 so. friends in common. So it's some, on, at man. this point, it's going to happen. All right, dude. So you're writing, you're speaking, you have some other stuff that you're, that you're working on. Um, you actually have an academy mm -hmm. that um, you're putting together, that you've put together. Um, I know there's a way to get involved. I'd, I'd love for you to pour some water on this academy with us. Yeah. Tell us more about it. How do we get involved? 
Yeah. So for the last few years, we've been doing challenges and courses where we'll take people through a six week, a 12 week process online um, where, you know, one one we did was uh, overcoming overthinking. So we said, okay, how do what do you deal with that? One was beyond perfectionism. Okay. You're a perfectionist. What do you do with that? Where are you getting stuck? What are the tools? You know um, we've, we've talked about fear a lot in some of them too, because a lot of times, like we have enough information, we're just getting stuck at specific parts of the process. I'm a goal nerd. I love goals. My podcast is called All It Takes is a Goal. So really what we're doing for 2023 is we're saying, okay, if we do three different courses over the span of a year and we create an online community, because we've got 19,000 people in a private Facebook group that encourage each other, can we really lean into that? Um, because in community, really amazing things happen. Like you're not mm. designed to chase a goal, build a company, lose weight, whatever. You're not designed to do that alone. And so how do we go first and create a space? Um, you know, for me, you talk about being real in a speech. Um, the, the thing I often tell people is um, when you go first, you give everyone else in the room the gift of going second. So, and that's a powerful gift to give because it's easier to go second. And so what we're doing is putting together this year-long experience um, where we walk people through, okay, how do you stack the deck in your favor? So Strava, mm -hmm. the number one uh, fitness app that exists, they call the second Friday in January quitters day because out of 80 million points of data, that's when more people quit their goals than any other. So when you know that you can go, okay, if we do a year helping people, we're going to have specific get back up content in February because we know by the second week of January, everybody feels like quitting. So let's plan around that. Let's have, you know, let's have a Friday follow through. Let's have a yes. first of the month club where we're leaning into the first of the month, you know, and then, okay, how do we motivate people through the middle? We know, like we can see data wise, you know, May, June, July goals drop off. And then, okay, how do we mm. motivate people through the middle? And then, okay, how do we turn the finish line into an encouragement? So last quarter, like when I worked at Home Depot, I used to write advertising for Home Depot. We called September and August the second New Year's because what happens is back to school momentum creates this cultural conversation. As a mm. leader, you always want to tap into cultural conversations. So when the whole mm. world is talking about something, you want to recognize that and tap into that. So that's why January... It's a great time to come up with a goal. You can come up with a goal in March too, obviously. But in January, there's cultural conversation. August and September, back to school <laughs> is, is starting. Like summer is over. People are buying trapper keepers. And so as a parent, as an adult, you can tap into that and really give your goal a really powerful last quarter push. And so that's what we're doing. We're saying, okay, knowing what we've learned over the last 10 years, helping hundreds of thousands of people with goals, what if we put together a whole year where we helped people reach what they're trying to do um, and do the work? Like it's easier, like from a company perspective, it's easier to do these one-off things because they're fast, they're quick. But if your real goal is to help people get across real finish lines, like you have to, you have to really invest and you have to say, okay, from a big perspective, yes. like what do we do? I just <laughs> sent the team an email this morning. We got feedback from this woman that just took a, we had this course called build your awesome life. And it's, it's the fastest path to self-awareness. Without self-awareness, you can never achieve any goal because you don't know what's really going on. That's why leaders get fired for anger that they're surprised by. That's why people date losers 10 times in a row. And they're like, I have no idea why this has happened. I have an idea. You have no self-awareness. So we have this tool <laughs> called the awesome moment list that teaches you who you are, what you care about, and how to go get more of that. 
And it's the opposite of every life plan that's ever been built. And so this woman named Carol said, I'm a, I'm a widow. And for most of my life, like it's been 10 years of me trying to just get my kids to thrive. They're about to graduate high school. And this taught me what I care about again. I forgot mm. I got to care about things again. And so like I sent that to the team because you go, this is what it's about. Like the subject line was remember the carols because that's because it's all too easy when you do what we do to see people as you're going to scale a business, you're going to monetize a thing. Like, no, 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 no. Like at the end of the day, it's the carol. Like it's the carol, it's the carol, it's the carol. How do we stay with that? So that's what that's what this year mm. is going to be about. And the the wait list, because we haven't opened it yet, is just acuff.me, which is my name, acuff.me slash waitlist. Well, we're we're gonna link that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this and you're driving down the road and yeah, yeah, trying to I mean, pull over, down, pull over if it's that <laughs> yeah. important. Let's. That's right. You can pull over, pull over, yeah, um, and and write that down or uh, check out the show notes because we'll link that. And um, and John, we're also gonna link all your social media handles. We want people to be able to go find yeah. you easily. Your website. Um, is there any other area where where you think they they should go to find you, learn about you? Anything else you want no, to mention? No, I'd, I'd say I'd say if you listen, if you love listening to podcasts, um, my podcast all it takes is a goal. I think there's three episodes that were really fun. One was Colleen Berry. Colleen Berry is in Soundtracks. She was a single mom that lost yeah. her job. She was a cinematographer yeah. and had to get four jobs to survive. One of them was a receptionist, and she changed her mindset, and she's now the CEO of that company. And so that's a really inspiring story. Greg Sankey, who's the SEC commissioner, and I, I mean football, not finances. His his uh, interview was really fun. And then Stephen Pressfield from the War of Art. That mm. was fascinating to talk with him about his process because he's somebody who's been a, a a long distance mentor for me for a few years. And that conversation was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, you do have a fascinating podcast, and you're also on a lot of podcasts. Like you just, I'm uh, on this one right now. Good. I'm currently yeah, on a podcast, come on, man. That's right. Yeah. Apple, Spotify, can't stay away from John Acuff, man. You're all over the place. And someday, I'm going to get to hear you speak live. I've heard you enough. You have YouTube events. Let's go. Like, let's I feel go. Like let's this do is it. a very solvable problem. It is. It have is. A, We're gonna, you have your so, own events. I can so, go to Iowa. <laughs> planes go where you live. Come on, man. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if you're the type that will even come, will you even come in the dead of winter? Or will you stay away I, from Dude, the I'm going to South Dakota this January. So that should answer <laughs> all worse. questions, <laughs> all questions, dude. Yeah, you know, like I went to troopers. Phoenix last July. So yeah, the answer is like, <laughs> there's no such thing for me as too hot or too cold. Like I'm like, let that's just a bigger coat. Let's go. Yeah, like, let's go. Maybe uh, when I'm in my 80s or 90s, I'll be like, <laughs> oh, my brittle bones, whatever. Like, no, dude, I'm 46. I shouldn't be like. Uh, I only like certain temperatures, like forget uh, it, dude. Like I, maybe when I'm older, but right now I'm like, let's go. It's my favorite thing to do. Come on. I, lo I love live events. There's there, like live events, fast forward relationships. They fast forward to education. Mm. Like they fast forward, you know, connection with people. They're, they're really, really valuable. Who's your next one with? Have you already announced it? Yeah. So Craig Rochelle is coming yeah. to town. Amazing. Amazing. And then, and, and so, yeah, and we got a bunch of others. So we're, you know, so. Yeah. So our listen, our audience can hold me accountable. I just said it live on our podcast. We're bringing John Acuff. There you go. The Let's go. Now it's on Iowa. audio. Let's and go. Now it's on, unless Let's that go, other man. John, uh, he's your producer, right? John's yeah, the, John Choate. <laughs> yeah, don't edit <laughs> that out, Choate. Keep that in. Don't be deleting that. All right. I know you probably had a finger on a button or whatever. I don't know how producing works, but maybe you're about to cut that. Yeah. Hey, man, you are a gem. Thanks for thanks for being with us. This is just Dude, been super so fun. easy, super easy, super fast, um, super fun. Um, love what you guys are doing. Yeah. Love how many people. We know it like before we started recording, we were rattling off names. So 
I'm sure I'll it's either wild. run into you in Nashville Small um, world. or I'll run in. Dude, if you're getting 600 people to Iowa, you're killing, dude. You're killing. Killing. Well, hey, it's man, easy to when, get when, people to Nashville. You can like just ring a bell and people come to Nashville because this city is hot right now. But listen, here's the magic of Iowa. Here's the magic. When, when somebody does come to Iowa, because it doesn't happen that often, people like flock. You know, they just, yeah, yeah, like yeah. John Gordon's always like, he's like, I'm never as famous as I am in Iowa. Dude, I love that. <laughs> come to Dude, Iowa. And it's like, John's that here. happened to me in Kansas City. Like in certain cities, they're so, yes, they have so yeah. many events that they go, eh. They're like, I don't know, Bono. I've kind of seen yeah. him, you know, like, <laughs> but in certain cities where you're like, hey, I'm coming to like Kansas City was like that for me last week. They were so kind, so amazing. I love that city. I hate mm. their airport, but they are they are mm. amazing. Great city, yeah. terrible airport. I could do a whole podcast on that airport alone, um, but great city. And my fa- the joke I always do when I land in Kansas City is I tweet out, hey, I just landed in Kansas City. Where would you recommend I go get some of that famous sushi? And so many people get so furious. So many people are like, you idiot. It's not sushi. It's barbecue. And I just, I only do that if I'm trying to stir the pot. Like if I'm a little bored that day, because I know it's sushi. I know it's uh, barbecue and it's probably like Joe's smoke shack or something like that. But, hey, well, 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 hey, let's test your Iowa knowledge. What's the tweet? What's the tweet when you land in Iowa? What do you, Is what it do you, corn? Is Iowa corn? corn? Come on, man. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well done. So well done. I have a I have a, a a pint glass in my house that has a Des Moines on it. I went to Des Moines and I got a pint glass that was really funny about Des Moines. Um, yeah, and man. so, yeah, I'm I, I do. I do like Iowa and I've been there before. Right. I told you, like, if I go a second time, it'll double the amount of times. I haven't been to two states, New Mexico and North Dakota. Which is weird. New Mexico. Like that those like New Mexico, you would yeah. think I would have been to already. North Dakota, I understand. Not a lot of people ever get to North Dakota, but I gotta get to New Mexico and North Dakota and then Iowa. How far are you from Des Moines? So we're an hour and a half east of Des Moines. Not that far away. Okay. But and you know, in Iowa, people drive. They're they're good, they're good with driving because it's yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, so, totally, totally. So listen here. So here's our mission. Here's our mission. We're gonna somehow try to get you into North Dakota and New Mexico. Yeah, let's we'll, do it. We'll do a tour. And then we'll we're going to John- bring Iowa. We'll do a Iowa? John and Jordan tour. That's, That's it, man. Let's go. That's me. Yeah, and we'll go. People go, where are you going on a tour? You go, three places. North Dakota, New Mexico, Iowa. And people are like, why those places? Like, don't ask questions. Those are, yeah, like a lot of people like LA, Nashville, Boston. No, 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 no. North Dakota, New Mexico, Iowa. And they're not even like convenient to each other. Not at all. I love that. That's Let's how go. you know you've made it, you know? When yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the, yeah. When well, that's, I choose when it. You say, yeah, yeah. They don't tell Beyonce where to go. She just goes where she wants to go. Mate, she could do a, an Iowa, New Mexico, North Dakota tour all day. Hey, the best part of the podcast has been I mean, the last five minutes. Pretty strong, man. Well, I mean, especially if you're into Iowa humor. There's a lot yeah, of that's that's right. probably a that's niche, right. niche audience. A lot of people stop listening once they started hearing me riff on Kansas City and Iowa, but that's they lost. That's their loss. Like maybe I say some gym that's at the right. very end. You should have stuck around. We went in a good. We went in a good direction there, man. That, oh, I'm fine with it. Let's that go. Was good. That was I good. thought. Why do you have a Jacksonville Jaguars helmet? Did you go speak uh, to them? We work with one of their players. Yeah. Oh, nice, yeah, nice. So, uh, yeah. I was gonna say, but, dude. Um, like in Iowa, that makes no sense. It does. Like, yeah. Because yep. <laughs> you could say I'm a Braves fan because TBS broadcasts the games to Arkansas. Like. But I saw Jacksonville Jaguars and I was like, oh, yeah, of What's course. People doing, in man? Iowa, huge fan base. You probably go to a Jacksonville Jaguars bar in Iowa every big game. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Tons of Jags fans. Tons here. Of Jag- so. Yeah. Jags show up. Jags show up in Iowa City. They do. They do. Yeah. 
So Listen, cool. man, you showed up for us today, bro. I thanks so totally. much. Totally super with fun, us. super easy. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have an awesome weekend. You and I are going to be connecting, collaborating. We're yeah. bringing John to Iowa. Everybody yeah, heard it here go. first. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you for being with us, man. So much appreciate it. All right. See you, buddy. All right, brother. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. I want to say thanks also to John Choate and James Roth of Storyline Multimedia for all of the work that they do behind the scenes to make this episode go. If you enjoy listening to this show, if you're somebody who tunes in once in a while to our podcast, we'd love it if you'd officially subscribe so that we could move our mission of impact forward. This podcast is designed to help the leader go farther faster. We hope we've done that today. Be well, be great. Have a wonderful day.